For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. We have an awesome episode of Get My Job on Believe, as I am joined by Olympic gold medalist and ESPN MLB analyst, Jessica Mendoza. Jessica talks about not being afraid to ask for help, how she got started as an analyst, and finding the right approach in both accepting and giving constructive criticism. She also takes us through a day in the life of World Series coverage, which is a grind in the best possible way. This episode is really fun, so make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy. Jessica, welcome to the Get My Job podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, I'm pumped. It's finally happening. We've been talking about this for a while. We have. We've been talking since deep into baseball season. Obviously, that was a busy time for you. I am a diehard Dodgers fan, so I'm just now starting to recover from the NLCS loss and the loss of two of my favorite players, but maybe it's best to move on. Um, But I am glad that we get to keep Chris Taylor. Oh my gosh. So happy about that. I, that I actually said to my mom last night, I was like, I have to be honest with you. I was I that I don't think I could have handled. Like, I think if they lost Chris Taylor and lost him to the giants, then I just think I would have needed to take some time to myself (laughs) and be left alone. So I'm really glad that didn't happen. So I was very happy about that. Uh, and, and I think, I think they'll be just fine, but you know, it's always hard when you lose favorites, but we are digressing. Uh, this is about you today and I'm so excited to talk to you. So let's dive right in. I, you are a two-time Olympic gold medalist, as, as you are well aware. You are a softball Hall of Famer. When did you decide to make the transition to analyst? Uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't so much a decision. I mean, I had come out of Stanford wanting to be involved in educational reform, move to D.C., um, get involved in politics. I had like mm-hmm. a completely different plan, but I was still playing. And mm-hmm. I was approached by ESPN after one of our World Cup softball games that ESPN was covering, I think against China. And, you know, I'd just been interviewed and they were like, gosh, you have so much passion. Would you ever consider getting involved in television? And, you know, my initial initial response was kind of humor, laughing, like there's no way, like no filter mic, like I'd I'd be fired first day. Um, (laughs) Having no background in it, you know, I was like, this doesn't seem like something that I'd be good at. Um, and it wasn't until like a few months later, they invited me to audition because softball was growing on our network. Um, we were going from covering, you know, just a few championship games to hundreds of games. Um, and so they, they needed more people and they're like, they really pushed me. And I'm like, all right. Um, I kind of had some people in my life that were like, okay, what's the worst thing that happens? You go, you're awful. is what you think you're going to be anyway, but at least you're putting yourself out there and trying something that's totally outside of your comfort zone. So I did. I auditioned. This was back in, gosh, 2007 Mm -hmm. um, and started doing softball. And from there, I got asked to do college football. So I was doing an SEC package for a while. And of course, you know, being a bat and ball girl, 
um, woman now is, is you know, being a young girl with a head baseball coach as a father. Um, I wanted to get involved with baseball. So I started to do college baseball and then ultimately major league baseball. And here we are today. Uh, you were part of the first all-female MLB broadcast, which is incredible. And I know we all want to get to a point where that's not news. It's just the norm. But right now it's new at news and it was incredible. Could you talk a little bit you know, about that experience and, you know, anything that maybe came up along the way that was more challenging than you thought it would be? Um, well, you know, I was a part of the first one for ESPN. It was mm-hmm. with Melanie Newman. And to be honest, it was actually very, um, not a lot of, they didn't even tell us that we were doing oh. it. Um, and some credit, like at first I was kind of caught off guard because I found out from, CNN reached out and was like, Hey, you're going to be a part of the, you know, the first female broadcast for ESPN. And I was like, I am like, no one, I didn't want to like say, but I was like, shoot, like, <laughs> should I know about this? But to my network's credit, I mean, their thing was like, we think Melanie Newman's really good at play by play. This mm-hmm. is kind of the game that Jess would probably normally be doing. Um, I don't think they thought so much about let's have two women doing a game. Let's just have mm-hmm. the two best people for this game do it. And that kind of made me feel good because to your point, um, I think it is important to keep elevating women. And I think the media attention that comes with it is good for more men. And I think young girls to see, okay, because I think even now there's a lot of people out there that don't realize that these job opportunities are there for women. So the more media attention that comes with it is good for more people to know this is something that not only they themselves could do, but maybe they could encourage the women around them to also do. So that, that's something that's important. But like I said, to your point, it, it's also good to get to a place where it's just the norm, right? Like mm-hmm. this is this is what we do. Mm-hmm. So going back a little, uh, when, when you first began, what were some of the you know general challenges just in being an analyst? Because you weren't, especially like you said, like you weren't necessarily used to it. It wasn't something you'd be, been trained to do. And then how did you overcome those and what were some of the lessons you learned along the way? And I know that's broad. So if you want me to specify more, I obviously can. Well, I think it's, it's different. I mean, I started in softball and so like I, you know, was on, you know, regular season games that were, you know, maybe on ESPNU and and not that that was, but it was a good place to begin because I remember my very first game. I mean, people think that there's some sort of training or even that someone might sit down and be like, Hey, so by the way, this is like how a talk back box works. And this is what's going to happen in your ear. These are what the buttons do. Like none of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm on air and my producer's talking to me during like the third inning. And I'm like, Oh, what did you say? Like I started talking back to him cause he's talking to me. I'm like, Oh, I can just talk back to him. So I'm talking to my producer live on air. And everyone's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, he was talking to me. I was just, and they're like, no, you press this button to talk to him and not every, the world. And I was like, well, no one told me and he could talk to me. So I just thought maybe he hits a button and I talk to him. Fair. That's a fair course, assumption. Yeah. But everyone else who'd been in the business was like, you're an idiot. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like you're talking to nobody on air, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so things like that, where you're just like, you're learning, but you're learning live on television. And Mm -hmm. had that been, you know, a major league baseball game doing that, like think of just, okay, well, yeah, here's the woman who doesn't know what she's doing. She's talking to nobody on air. Like, so in a way I I had a good, gosh, almost nine years, eight, nine years under my belt of softball, kind of getting all those kinks out, learning 
you know, even just like succinctly being able to wrap up a sentence before the pitch is being thrown. So you're never talking over a pitch in case it's mm-hmm. a home run or a big hit, like all those things that are part people at home don't know, or in my case, I didn't know. <laughs> um, Cause you watch games, but you don't understand the the science that goes on behind it all. Um, so just learning all of that on the fly and figuring it out the hard way or learning, you can't say certain phrases on air that you've been accustomed to saying your whole life, but you never think of what a male audience might think when you're saying those things, um, stuff like that, that I, you know, you can't say that on air. I'm like, why? Like, that's just a softball term. Yeah. You, you can't, people are going to think the wrong thing. It's like, Oh, oh that's got interesting. Okay, I never thought about that. Do you have any examples of that? I do. Um, <laughs> I will share them because now it'll seem, um, but there was like basically without saying the phrase, cause I'll feel bad. Like, I don't know. It's like, duh. Okay. But there was a term that you would use that when like you basically got jammed, like something that was in on your hands, um, okay. in on your fists. Okay. And so there was a term that was used that you would say like, she got this right. And mm-hmm. yeah definitely could be interpreted differently. And so I had to learn all of that, you know, as a female, like growing up my whole life was like, we use that term all the time, but you say it on air. It's like, "Mm, people aren't going to think what you're thinking. (laughs) That's so, that's very interesting. And I think that's a part of this business generally that people probably don't think about. Um, That's very, that's very interesting, but makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. And had it been like even a man saying that about, you know, you could get fired over stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, you're saying that's in the context of your sport, but mm-hmm. like, you don't realize like, gosh, we've got so many things that we say that you just aren't, you know, you don't think about like just a regular person that listens to that goes, Ooh, that's not what you would say. Yeah. That's really, that's a whole interesting thing. And I, and I bring it up because I think it's important for our listeners who want to be in this world to keep in mind. And think about and to also not take it personally when someone says you can't say that, that, yeah. you know, that there's, yeah. there's more to but it. But again, having the opportunity to be in a position where it was like, okay, like you learned and then I'm like mortified. Um, but then I know now, like, and there's times all the time, I, I'm just so much more conscious of like how things will sound mm-hmm. um, that I'd rather just lay out, not say anything than like try to explain something. That's um, happened a lot now calling a male sport where you want to point out maybe a certain area or certain thing. And it's like, you're in your head trying, like, this is what I want to say, but you try it out in your head and you're like, yeah, it's not going to work. Nope. That's not going to work either. You know, I'm just not going to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to try to. Yeah. Cause then that'll be what goes viral is like that one thing that you're trying to say, taken out of context of what you're trying to describe on the field. It's actually really good life advice when you're about to write a text, when you're about to do a tweet, when you're about to say something to somebody. If, if anything makes you think, maybe I shouldn't say that, you probably shouldn't say it. <laughs> That's yeah. it's, well, it's not even like the thing is you could totally say it, um, but it's more of like in this case, like how there's double meanings for mm-hmm. certain terms. Right. And like there's so many and so much terminology in sport that, you know, I mean, I think about golf you know, a lot of things that are said in golf, that if you take it out of context, it's like people just aren't going to understand. That's very true. With a kind of with that in mind, a, a pivoting a little bit, but, but kind of with that idea in mind, was there a piece of constructive criticism you received early on other than that you can't talk to your producer live on TV, but a piece of constructive criticism you received early on that was difficult to take, but really helped to make you a better analyst? 
That's a good question. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of it just, you know, I feel like that's kind of constant. It's just, you know, having to kind of swallow like your pride of like, okay, but that's kind of me or that's how I do things. Or, you know, I had someone recently saying like, tell me, you know, it's, you know, you don't always have to be like, so excited. Like you're, you're so excited, but like maybe, you know, just tone it down and not always be the person that's always so happy and excited. And, um, you know, like people might want to hear from you and not just you being the positive, happy person all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, well, I am happy, (laughs) 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 but to their point, it's like, there are moments and things when maybe I can be a little more serious and be a little, not always be the person that's laughing and smiling, but actually have a couple things that I pick out, whether it's within a broadcast, whether it's in a post, whether it's a, a an interview that I'm working on, that it, it gets a little more serious, a little more real. And there's truth to that because that is also a part of me. Um, and so as much as it was hard to hear, like, yeah, you're so dang smiley and positive, like stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was someone trusted that I knew was coming from a good place of like, I know there's more there mm-hmm. and you know, I challenge you to find that. And so it's that initial reaction of like, screw you. Like, what do you think? But then you have to really hear what the, you know, what the meat of what they're trying to say is. And I think it's one of the hardest things having done that with others to give constructive criticism is trying to find the right approach so that someone really hears you. It's something I learned as a teammate, as a captain, like when, when you want to get someone to really buy into being better, you have to, it's all in the approach. Cause if you just yell at them and just say, Hey, you suck at this, maybe you should do this better. More times than not, they're going to give you the finger and walk away. But if you approach it and like, hey, I think you're really great at this, but like, let's also work on some other things I think you could be great at. So you obviously brought up being a teammate, being a captain. How do you think having been an athlete, having been such a successful athlete and having had those experiences helps you to understand the athletes you're covering a little bit better? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's understanding like the stuff that's not you know, on the surface, it's like getting the deeper meaning when, you know, certain guys want to hit with other guys or someone's out there early doing something specific that, you know, it's like all these things are, are the way that they might describe themselves in a certain way that if you take the words, it sounds great. But then I'm like, it's like that follow up question you pick up on because it's like, "Mm, I caught something there that sounded a little insecure, a little, you're actually not too sure about that. How do you really feel? You know, trying to ask it in a way because you, you kind of understood a layer deeper of what that means. Um, and, and then, you know, like, like I I feel like I read body language so much Mm -hmm. better because being a female athlete, women always want to say the right thing. And they've almost been trained to be like, you know, yeah, this is, this is my cliche thing that I'm going to say constantly professional athletes are even more so in that, that realm. And so just understanding body language of like, mm, everything you're saying is totally what you should be saying right now, but there's something that I'm reading, um, in your body language, even just the way you're playing right now. Um, I can tell that there's something def- de- definitely different going on. And so as a reporter and an analyst, that's obviously a very important quality to have to, to want to ask the follow-up question to actually 
listen to the person you're talking to and not just hear them, if that makes sense. Is that something that you felt you had right away or did that take some time? Oh, definitely took some time, especially because, um, you know, being an analyst for softball, that was one thing, right? It's my sport. Mm -hmm. These are my people. When I entered into college football as a reporter, so I'd never been a reporter. And I don't think what people understand is that like, these are two very different things. Mm -hmm. And reporting was so much harder because one, you're on the field, you're isolated, you're by yourself. There's no booth that you're with. There's no play-by-play there to bail you out. If you're like, "Mm," like, you know, I don't know what to say right now. Um, and you have, you have these 30 seconds to basically do everything that you want to do on that topic instead of an entire game (laughs) to like talk whenever you want. It's like, let's throw it down to Jessica on the field. And you know, and there's distractions everywhere. Someone can literally run right into as you're doing a hit and you got to stay through it. Um, you know, just all kinds they can hear you. Like that was weird for me. I'm down on the field talking about this person that's five feet away from me and he's looking at me and I'm not saying great things. Mm -hmm. Um, that was all very hard, but, um, I think the biggest thing with asking questions is in the beginning, you know, I, I was so nervous that I have my set questions and now being on the other side of it, I noticed that so much more is when, okay, I'm going to go a to B to C to D that, oh my gosh, <laughs> just first of all, how uncomfortable that is because it's like my, I go now you go now I go versus let's just kick it. Mm-hmm. And it took me confidence because what's scary about that is now I'm like throwing out my notes. I might have bullet points. Like these are things I want to make sure I hit on. Like Mm -hmm. definitely don't want to get out of this interview. If I don't ask you about your mom and how she raised you or something that was really big that I want to make sure to get into, get those bullet points, have them here if I need a look, but then like, let's just like, we're having coffee right now. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Like what's happening with you? I saw, you know, you were working with your stance the other day, but it seemed like you weren't happy with it. Like what's happening. And then it's like, I think it's so much not only enjoyable for me and them, but then for the people listening, it's almost like, Hey, we're inviting you to just hang out with us versus Mm -hmm. you're going to watch a very structured interview where, you know, Mm -hmm. they're going to finish talking. And now I'm going to go to my next question. That has nothing to do with what they just said. (laughs) Right. But I think that's something as a reporter. And I know when I first started, it was a beat reporter. That was something that took some Time and, and really and understanding. And I, I've used this example on the podcast before. It's been a while though. Uh, so I'll go ahead and use it again. But back in, I think it was training camp of 2019, uh, we were talking to Quan Alexander, who was then a linebacker for the 49ers. He was coming off an injury. And I started the interview and said, Quan, how are you feeling? And he said, legendary. And I, and this is, this was like a great learning experience. And I thought that was great. And I like went down to tweet it. And then one of my colleagues said, well, what do you mean by legendary? And he explained it. It kind of became a thing about their entire season, be legendary. And it was such a good lesson for me that I should have said, can you explain that? As, a base, as opposed to being so quick to be like, oh, I need to tweet the Quan Alexander said he's feeling legendary. Yeah. What did he say? Listen to what he said and ask him about it because it it is an interesting, it's not just, oh, I feel good. I mean, that is an interesting response. So um I only bring that up to say, I think it's something we all learn and we learn throughout our career, but it's such an important part of what we do. Well, I feel like the best questions are the deeper. It's the deeper question off of the first question. 100%. So you hear their their response and then it's your own curiosity. Like if I can follow my curiosity, like natural, Mm -hmm. like, wait, even if it's, what do you mean by that? you know, Mm -hmm. like, which sometimes sounds like, okay, I don't know what you're saying, but it it genuinely is like, I, you just said a lot of things that I don't understand. And if I don't understand it, I'm guessing people watching this aren't, can Mm -hmm. you explain that more? And 
yeah, that it took me years, but reporting was the best thing for me because it allowed me to really grow within an area that, like I said, I had no background in journalism. Mm-hmm. And so being a softball analyst, I could break down softball. Like I played it my whole life, but when it came to journalistic skills, mm-hmm. I had still do have so much growth. Um, but the, probably the biggest, you know, you're interviewing Nick Saban in halftime and Alabama's losing and the mm-hmm. dreaded interview going into the locker room that he wants to punch you in the face. And you're like, right. you know, how you feel, you know, those were like the challenging, you know, and then if he gave me that short answer, which he would like, we're fine or, you know, like whatever I had to continue to like pepper him with, you know, follow-up questions. Well, when I was first starting out, I was excited when he gave me, okay, fine, we're done. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. When the real challenge is to push someone that actually doesn't want to like give right. you more, mm-hmm. you got to give me more. Sorry. Like you're not just going to tell me yes when I didn't even ask you a yes or no question. <laughs> yeah. And that's, but that's important. And that does, that does take time and it's not easy to do, but it's again, and confidence. Such an it takes confidence of like, I'm going on a limb here. You're probably going to, you know, say something really mean. And Nick, especially like, I was always so afraid because mm-hmm. I'd heard so many interviews that went wrong that he had done, like where he was mean. Mm-hmm. And I was like, gosh, I don't want to be that person where he's just going to chew me up live on air right now. But I can't just be that reporter that's scared and like, okay, fine. I'm out of here. Well, absolutely. Confidence. And also like, you can't, this is, we all learn this in reporting and in life again, but not taking it personally. Cause it's not, he's yeah. not mad at you. He may chew you out on TV and it doesn't feel good, but you, he's imagine what it felt like to be in the locker room at halftime, <laughs> but it's, but that is something that's difficult in reporting as well, because you know, we all want to be liked. We all want to do a good job, but part of what we do is we're getting people at some of their best moments and some of their worst moments. And when yep. you're at the worst moments, sometimes that gets taken out on you and it's soldiering. It's not on. personal. It's not. It is it's definitely not personal. With that in mind, not personal, I want to talk a little social media. How do you deal with the trolls and the negativity of it? And it is something I ask a lot of our guests because it's such a prevalent part of what all of us do, even if you're not in sports. And it's not always so easy to deal with. Yeah, I think it goes both sides. I mean, we talk, you know, it's so much more trendy for sure to talk about the trolls and the negative. But I think what I've noticed, especially with like bigger things, like if I'm doing a big game or if it's an all female game and it's Mm -hmm. getting attention, it tends to create extreme reactions. So there's like people that are like, this is the best thing in the world. Like, I absolutely love this. And like, in reality, this really isn't the best thing in the world. Or like, (laughs) you need to get out more. Um, And, you know, and then on the other extreme, it's like, you should die and go home. I hate you. And it's like, okay. Um, But it always tends to be there immediately Mm -hmm. after, right? There's Mm -hmm. very rarely where it's like, cool, thumbs up. Right. Um, And so I've had to learn that like, that's what, like especially Twitter, Twitter tends to be extreme reactions if it's like the bigger the deal it is. So usually 24 hours after something that I do that's bigger, or if I post something that's maybe a little controversial or something, I give it 24 hours before if I am going to read anything um, that I, I kind of wait till it subsides the initial reactions that are going to be strong. Because I don't need to read people that are like gung-ho, crazy fans. And I don't need to people that like really hate me either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Neither one does any good for me. But what I want is like the substance, which to me, social media, I do feel like still has. It it, it gets lost sometimes in the extremes, but like I have, I mean, shoot, like that's how, you know, you and I like being able to communicate with people, whether it's a direct message. um, I find that any message from a woman that I see on Twitter, um, I try to respond to. 
And like, I just try to have these parameters that I set for myself. Um, so for example, messages from like a lot of men, I just tend to like briefly, but if it's a woman or a girl, I'm like, heck yeah. Like I want to respond to you. I want to know you. And I'm not saying I don't respond to men either, but I try to make sure to set parameters of who I know is going to be more negative or more, you know, just hurtful with their Mm -hmm. words. Um, by doing that, by the time parameter, 24 hours. And then also like kind of, you know, I really try to find the women that are on Twitter for the most part. Um, they tend to be the ones that really just want to learn. They want to interact and kind of all in this together. I agree with that. And I think, I think the time is really an important one as well. I'm glad that you said that because we all can react. We can be reactive, especially if we see something mean, especially like if you post something like you said, that might be controversial or seems like a big deal. And you have emotions around that. And then someone responds to you with emotions and then it's hard to not bring more emotion. It's just a lot of, it's a lot of emotions. And I think giving yourself the time is such a service for yourself yeah. uh, and, and an important thing to do. So I'm really glad that you said that. What is a misstep that you're seeing women making as they're trying to break into the sports industry? I don't think there's missteps by women as much as maybe those, those that are putting women in certain positions, um, Mm -hmm. like the timing of it. Like, I feel like there are these trends where it's like, Oh shoot, we've never done this with a woman before. Who's a woman we can do this with. And like, let's throw her out there. Let's not prepare her. Let's not give her any kind of support because we just need to check this box. And I don't think that's like in totality at all, like the mindset, but I do feel like that's how it comes across is like out of nowhere, you'll see these women. And then what happens is like, there's a ton of attention around it, but there isn't the the proper preparation for what goes into these moments. And if you're putting a, a man in that position, yeah, he's nervous and yeah, he might not be prepared, but the expectation isn't the same. Like he mm-hmm. can mess up and you know, I'm not saying that's great for anyone, but if a woman messes up in a, never has there been a woman doing this before, there's just such a repercussion of like, this is why this can't happen. Mm -hmm. And so I don't really blame, if I think about missteps of women, I don't, I can't think of women that are doing things wrong. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think as long as women are staying true to who they are, which they're the only judger of that, I can't Mm -hmm. judge like, oh, this isn't you. Um, But I do feel like women at times right now, especially because there's this trend to make sure you're doing the politically correct thing. Mm-hmm. Cause I think there's a lot of people not putting women in the right position, um, for success, preparing them and making sure that they're, they're there, um, because they're good and that you've helped prepare them and give them all the tools they need to be in that position. And that's so important. And I think it's important for women for, well, for all of us, really, not just not just women, but coming into this industry or any other industry. And if you're feeling that you're not being properly prepared or you're not prepared, asking for help, which is really hard to do. But, you know, saying, I, I need I need some help with this. I need to prepare for this. Um, which is hard to do. And really I think hard to do. For more people in those positions to realize like, oh, she never asked. She never told me she didn't know. I mean, I had, which I remember so I, I hosted <laughs> like a major television show that wasn't in our network. And I got asked to do it. And it was this amazing opportunity. I was like, shoot, like I've never done anything like this before. It's huge. Totally. And I expected that, okay, but they'll help me or they'll, you know, mm-hmm. and again, that was my expectation. Cause this is a really Fair. big show. They would never just put me on there with no experience, like not having. So I show up that morning, like four hours before. So I'm like thinking we'll have time. I'm like crazy nervous. I don't nobody like literally it's out of my, you know, 
Mm-hmm. And we get through like all the coverage that we're going to go through all the things. And like, they're talking about, it, I'm like, okay, how do we like, how do we do this? They're like, Oh, well there's, you know, the teleprompter. I'm like, I've never read a teleprompter before. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, I've never, I, I mean, is there like something I need to, you know, cause in my mind, I'm like, well, I just read it. Right. And they're like, Oh my God. Like, they're like, you've right. never read. Yeah. And so then we went into the room and they're showing, and sure enough. Yeah. It wasn't as simple as, Mm-hmm. And I was about to be live on television and I just remember totally freaking out and everyone was staring at me because they're like, why is she here? She's not, she's in this position. She's going to host this show. She's never even read a teleprompter before. Like, <laughs> but again, like, I mean, I could have asked that question a week before, but I didn't even know to ask it. But you don't know that. And, and yeah, oh, it, it was, it was literally like the whole thing was so hard. And all I could think of was like, okay, just make sure you read this thing um, and not screw up. But when you're trying to read, you're not authentically being yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was an example of me and I should have asked for more help. But like at the same time, I look to those that are hiring and it's like, let's just assume that people don't know. And if, if they do great, you ask mm-hmm. them the question, did you know this? Awesome. Check the boxes. They've never done it before. So let's kind of go through all this, but I don't think that happens enough. It definitely doesn't. And in fairness to you in that position, you don't, if you don't know, you don't know what to ask. <laughs> so in fairness, <laughs> like you, and I, I was- <laughs> so to your point, like it's, that's something I think that's really, and no one really, I, that hasn't really been brought up before. You know, we talk a lot about preparation and being ready and, and all of that kind of stuff, but your point is a really fair one to the people putting people in charge. Make sure your people are prepared. It benefits everybody. Everybody yeah. looks better if the if the face who's actually going to be delivering the content, the news, the whatever knows what they're doing. It's best for everybody. I think what's hard though is a lot of times we want to act like we've been there, right? When right. you're getting the yeah. opportunities, the last thing you want to do is bring attention to the fact that like, hey, everybody, I'm the new kid. I know nothing. Mm-hmm. And I've had to learn, I'd rather do that initially and, mm-hmm. and admit like, guys, I've never done this. I don't know how to read a teleprompter. I don't know, honestly, anything. <laughs> like, let's mm-hmm. just assume mm-hmm. I know nothing. Can you guys educate me? And that is really hard to do because especially when you're a woman or it doesn't even matter, man, woman, like you don't want to be the person in the room that says, I don't, I'm inexperienced. You don't want to call that out. You want to walk in with some swag and be like, I got this this a million times, like totally. (laughs) Um, And then hope that someone will secretly help you. (laughs) Which hope and hopefully they will, but on the chance they don't. But I like the idea that that someone, you know, might notice, but I think maybe it's a a, a joint effort, but I'm really glad you brought that up because I think it's a very important thing. Um, And I think it's an important thing for our listeners too, because for our listeners who are getting these opportunities and assume someone's going to be there to help them, it may be good to hear that. No, you, they may not. Um, yeah. and so for, you know, for your own sake, as well, but that's, that's an important point. Um, I'm wondering if you can take us through and you can pick what the day is, but if you could take us through a day in the life of Jessica Mendoza. Oh, wow. Well, it definitely depends on the date. Um, we could know. pick, do, what should we do? MLB playoffs? Would that be yeah. kind of a fun, yeah. let's do MLB playoffs. So let's do World Series. Um, Great. Perfect. You know, I love, uh, kind of starts the night before or the morning of, depending on how late the game was the night before. Mm -hmm. Um, So tense. And I'm not a night person. I'm very much a morning person. So when I get off air, I like, I just want to go to bed. Last thing I want to do is study for stuff the next day. 
And what's awesome about playoffs, but what's also like draining is that, um, you know, it's back to back to back to back. Like you're going, you're on air in the morning, you're doing television all day, and then you're calling, um, I'm calling the World Series. So you want to prepare and do all the things you're meeting with managers. So I wake up in the morning. I love reading the press conference from post game the night before okay. because I think there's so much to that. We don't attend those. Okay. Um, and uh, because that's how they set us up to like get back to the hotel. And but no one like really reads them. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is where like you get all the good stuff where all the answers to like, why did you make that decision that we're all asking ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, or players' reaction to maybe coming out of the game as a pitcher pitcher. Um, so I read through that. There's always something like great in there. And then that kind of leads to like what I want to ask the managers when we meet with them pregame. Um, now there's usually TV hits in the morning. Um, so hair and makeup showing up to your hotel room. Um, you know, hits could be anywhere from seven in the morning until like one in the afternoon. Uh, we tend to leave for the field about one 32 o'clock. Um, so TV hits before that little preparation, you know, the hair and makeup thing is real. Um, mm-hmm. I always hate it cause it just takes for me. I have a lot of hair and, um, <laughs> usually the lack of sleep means a lot of makeup. Um, <laughs> but it's like an hour plus sometimes of that, um, where I'm trying to read through notes, but I, if I could, um, I would love to just not have to even worry about that. Show up in a ponytail, maybe some lipstick and like, let's go. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we're not there really yet. Um, maybe it'd be cool if we did one day because I'm jealous of the men that can do that. No ponytail, yeah. but just show up. Yeah. Um, and then head to the field, 1.30, um, usually about 30 minutes of doing it. The lineup's praying that the lineups have come in. So then before we meet with managers, I can actually have an idea of what we're doing and dealing with. And then we meet with managers, um, usually always the home team first. Um, this year in the dugout or in the stands because we're not allowed to be in their office. Uh, what's nice about postseason is just Fox that goes first and then it's us on radio and um, it's a very private, you know, 15 minutes of what you can ask in the, the most crucial time of their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you meet with them and then I like to be on the field for like another two hours through batting practice. And this is the golden time for me. This is when I get to and I didn't get to all year because we're doing games from home. Watch guys hit. <laughs> like I love <laughs> watching them. And then like creeping up kind of, it's hard because it's a world series. You don't want to bother them, but like, oh, you just can't help it every time watching Alex Bregman, just like tell like hitting his front shoulder, going over video, jumping back in the cage. Finally, I'm like, Alex, what are we doing? What, what are we working on? Like what's happening? It's like, oh man, I got to get my hands going. Like I'm totally getting jammed inside, like diarrhea of information. Right. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, that I can then use in game when he's getting jammed inside and it's like, this is his big thing. He's trying to get his hands going. He's in the batting cage, all that. That's my favorite time. Um, most of it is just spent talking to the guys too. Nothing that maybe I'm going to use, but just building relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dan's Swanson talking to him about, about to, his proposal. He just proposed to Mallory Pugh, the um, soccer player and the U S women's national team. And he was telling me about it like during the world series. Cause I'm like, are you guys going to get married? You know, and mm-hmm. just talking through life. Um, mm-hmm. I miss that so much. And then um, get back upstairs and what feels like days before the game starts. Cause now you've done all your preparation you're ready to go. Um, but because you had to be there so early, there's just all this time. Um, to like wait for the game to go. And I hate that time because I start to get nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, usually try to eat, but like, I can't eat when I'm nervous. 
Mm-hmm. So that's like hard. Cause I'm just like, can we just start this thing? And I can just feel the anxiety build like, Oh my God. Okay. World series game five. Here we go. Oh my God. Here it's coming, you know, versus mm-hmm. like we go, it's no big deal. Um, what I love about radio though, versus television is we don't have big opens. So instead of it being like a 15 minute open pre-produced, all these things you got to remember that we're doing and navigating that like, I hate mm-hmm. radio. It's like three minutes and then first pitch. That's great. So once we finally get on air, it's like a couple points and then like, let's go. Here comes the game. And then, yeah, you got your four hour baseball game. And after that, a little post game, maybe hang out and then bed and then start all over again. With that anxiety, do you have any tools that you use to kind of center yourself? Breathing is huge. Breathing is um, very important. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I learned that as an athlete, like, you know, it's like the four seconds in four seconds, hold four seconds out. Um, it sounds so silly, but I found that counting helps. Cause when I think I need to breathe better, it's like, okay, just, just breathe, just breathe. You know, and then I find myself like hyperventilating instead of actually calming myself. And it's amazing when you're just conscious of how long you're able to intake a breath, making sure it's like a belly breath and, holding it. And Oh my God, even just one of those one, four, four, and four. And I'm like, Oh, like everything just relaxes. Um, and then when it starts to kind of come back again, I try to just keep myself busy. Um, there's a million notes and numbers and stuff. So that's what I usually end up doing is just like riding through stolen bases. Maybe, you know, what was his, you know, time to home? Because I know there's gonna be a lot of stolen bases tonight. So what was this pitcher's, you know, was he a 1.5, 1.7, like finding that out, stuff like that. Like, um, or, you know, finding people to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> like, <hi. laughs> Making friends. <laughs> Making friends, socializing and talking about nothing else like that has to do with the game. So it, it kind of calms me down. Awesome. Well, Jessica, this has been really fun. I've, I've loved talking to you. I appreciate your candor and you are a, a smiley, happy person, and I'm very okay with that. I am I am very similar, and I get the same thing, so I get it, um, but I, I love it. So I, I've enjoyed our conversation. I cannot let you go, though, of course, until we do five fun facts, which um, our listeners know it's something I started doing with the 49ers players, where they share five things about themselves that maybe you would not otherwise know. But on this podcast, we ask everybody the same five questions, and it's been really fun because, for no pun intended or pun intended, because we get such different answers every time. So after that very long explanation that you've all heard before, without further ado, five fun facts with Jessica Mendoza. Jessica, what is your favorite moment in sports? Oh, probably one that I wasn't alive for. Um, but it's one of my heroes, uh, Billie Jean King in the Battle of the Sexes and Bobby Riggs. I mean, I want a little bit about that too. And she'd be the first to tell you that it was a battle in the seventies with mm-hmm. just in general, like life, politics, you know, women's rights, but that now it's much more of an allied like force, like mm-hmm. men and women are fighting together, not even fighting, working together to just create more equality. And I've noticed that like, because of that moment in sports, um, even Bobby Riggs, at that moment was doing it for women's equality. He was the sugar daddy. He was the chauvinistic awfulness. He was playing the role up in a way to where it was so extreme and exaggerative of what men were doing and saying that you could only react with like, this is not what you would want 
for, for women, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I credit Bobby Riggs in that moment, which I think a lot of people don't realize is Bobby actually wasn't that person, you know, like he wasn't like, I hate women. They go in the kitchen, all the things he was saying, he was playing up that character to make it that much more pronounced of like, what are we doing? Is this really what we want for women? What is your life motto? Ah, uh, be the change you wish to see in the world. Gandhi. It's a good we, one. We talk all the time. It's really easy about like, wow, oh, this is what's wrong, especially gosh, now politics and, you know, mm-hmm. vaccines and everything that's so controversial and things should be better and fake news and all the things just go out and be, be, be that good person. Be, if you want something different, go out and be it instead of complaining about it and, ranting about it on Twitter and getting other people to get angry about it. And just you yourself live the life that you feel like others should live. What is your go-to workout? Oh man. Um, (laughs) I love mixing up workouts. Um, I am obsessed with being out on a paddle board, which isn't a workout at all, but recently I've started to do push-ups. I do like a routine where I'll do push-ups on the paddle board Oh, it's like suitcase crunch on the power, which is so fun because it's so hard. And like worst case, you fall in the water. Like that's amazing. Right. right? Um, and then doing like just basic body weight squats on the paddleboard. And it's so fun because like you're activating your core. I mean, obviously not everyone can be out on a paddleboard, but like just the idea of being able to incorporate like nature being out in it and something like super challenging. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's really fun. Like, and so even though it's not a go-to that I can obviously, I'm, I live in Oregon now and it's winter. So like, I'm not, right. I don't know, paddleboard, but I just came back from Belize. I was doing that all the time in the summers here. I'm out on the board. Um, and I love water. And so sometimes workouts can be so like you're in a closed space and you know, what, what are you doing? Um, but when you're out in nature and you can incorporate something like that, it's, it's fun. Go-to coffee order. Um, a flat white Starbucks, I like strong, really, really strong. Um, so it's, and I always get soy milk, even though like, that's like dead. No one uses soy milk anymore, but I still like it. Well, it's, it's your go-to coffee order. So you can have whatever you want and a book. Every woman should read. Oh gosh. Um, I mean, pressure is a privilege is a great one by Billie Jean King. So I would, I just love reading. So like, there's just a million that I'm like looking at my bookshelf right now, (laughs) but you're giving me one. So she's got a lot of books. Um, but, and Glennon Doyle is also another great author that I feel Mm -hmm. like just read any one of her books from like a life point of view. Oh my gosh. Is it awesome? I would agree with that. I loved untamed. Um, well, thank you, Jessica. This was awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you guys like what you heard, and I know you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Talk to everybody next week. Bye, y'all. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.